0: Bienvenidos to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza, produced by Julieta Kusnir, Nina Serrano, Vanessa Bohm, and Vilma V. In tonight's program, we hear about the film El Poeta, which follows the journey of Javier Sicilia, renowned Mexican poet who ignited mass protests and an ongoing international movement for peace after the brutal killing of his 24-year-old son by narco-violence. We also hear from engineering students at Downtown College Prep Alum Rock High School in San Jose about their exciting win at the Samsung Solve for Tomorrow competition. And last but not least, we speak with Peruvian band Canaco y el Tigre about their international release of their latest album called Quema, Quema, Quema. All this and more, pero primero, noticias sin fronteras.
1: Buenas noches, this is Vilma V with Noticias sin Fronteras news headlines without borders from América Latina for the week ending April 26. Guatemala, over the weekend, tens of thousands of Guatemalans took to the streets of the capital, Guatemala City, to demand the resignation of President Otto Pérez Molina and Vice President Roxana Baldetti. The protests were held after an investigation by the International Commission Against Immunity in Guatemala. The investigation uncovered a $130 million corruption scandal involving a number of high-level public servants. One of the accused is Baldetti's personal secretary, Juan Carlos Monzon. Monzon remains a fugitive in Honduras after an international arrest warrant was issued for him last week. The scandal, which is known as La Linea throughout the country, also involves top officials from the superintendent's of tax administration in Guatemala, more demonstrations were planned for this week. Chile The Calbuco volcano located in southern Chile erupted twice last week, forcing the evacuation of over 6,000 people. Many in the vicinity are trying to save their homes and livestock after tons of ash rained down in the region, causing many roofs of homes and businesses to collapse. Most of the affected areas are covered with 20 inches of gray dust. The second eruption resulted in a plume of ash that rose 12 miles into the air, disrupting some air travel. Soldiers have been deployed to help with the cleanup. The Chilean government also announced that it would provide aid to cover some of the financial losses incurred by those living in the affected areas, particularly in the town of Ensenada, near the volcano. El Papa the Vatican announced that Pope Francis will be visiting Cuba this September, ahead of his planned visit to the United States. Pope Francis has been credited with assisting in last December's diplomatic thaw between Cuba and the U.S. Pope Francis will be the third pope to visit the island, Pope John Paul visited in 1998, and Pope Benedict in 2012. Cuban Foreign Minister Bruno Rodriguez said, quote, He will receive the warmest hospitality of the Cuban people. Pope Francis has written a book about Cuba and visited the country during Pope Benedict's visit. After Cuba, the Pope will travel to the U.S., where he will journey to Washington, New York, and Philadelphia. While in the U.S., the Pope is expected to address the United Nations and a joint session of the U.S. Congress. Mexico. This past Sunday was the seventh month anniversary of the disappearance and likely massacre of 43 male students from the state of Guerrero. Protests took place in Mexico City and in Guerrero. Pro government groups blocked the road into Chilpancingo, Guerrero's largest city, but no violence was reported. In New York City, hundreds of people marched in solidarity with the Mexican people to the headquarters of the United Nations, demanding international action. In Mexico City, a giant red number 43 with a plus sign was erected as a monument to the missing students and the thousands more who have been victims of forced disappearances in Mexico. A music festival was also held in the capital in conjunction with the anniversary. Mexican bands such as Molotov and Kinky were joined by the Puerto Rican band Calle 13 in urging their fans to keep the struggle for justice for Ayotzinapa alive. Argentina Last week, Russian President Vladimir Putin and Argentine President Cristina Fernández de Kirchner announced a, quote, comprehensive strategic partnership following talks in Moscow. The leaders signed a series of agreements on defense, economics, and energy cooperation, which includes Russian investment in a hydroelectric plant near the Nuken River and a new nuclear reactor at Argentina's Atucha III nuclear power plant. Argentina has been looking for foreign investment since battling a US hedge fund over the restructuring of its defaulted debt. Putin said that the proposed projects would bring, quote, the latest Russian technology to Argentina. A final deal is expected to be signed by the end of this year. Putin also expressed his support for Argentina in their dispute with the United Kingdom over the Falkland Islands, which are known as Las Malvinas in Argentina. This has been a summary of some of the latest news headlines from America Latina. I'm Vilma V for Noticias Sin Fronteras and La Raza Chronicles. If you have a news item or feedback that you would like to share, email us at larazachronicles at kpfa.org.
2: Una noche abandonada.
3: Otro día pide turno. Yo camino hacia tu paso, yo. Yo camino hacia el sin rumbo
4: Camino hacia
5: Listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza, we have on the line with us Katie Galloway. She's one of the producers and directors of El Poeta, which will be shown this Friday on PBS. And it is a film that focuses on the story of Javier Cecilia, who lost his son To some of the violence happening in Mexico now. And he has been incredibly active, highlight all of the lost life and all of the senseless violence in Mexico and has been really calling for changes in Mexico. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Katie, so this is a story that we've been following since the murder occurred and since Javier Cecilia has been actively working with others to do a caravana and to draw attention to really just the state of affairs in Mexico since his son's death in 2011. So for folks that maybe don't have the background of, of his life in terms of Javier Cecilia and what the work he did before this murder and what he's dedicated himself to now, give folks a sense of why you decided to create this film. Sure. We
6: first learned about Javier Cecilia in the New York Times. It was an op-ed written by Enrique Krauze, who's a Mexican historian, and the title was Can This Poet Save Mexico? And it told the story of Javier, who was at the time a famous, or at least a very well-known Catholic mystic poet and professor. And he had just recently won the Aguascalientes Prize, which is a big poetry prize in Mexico. So at the point at which his son was murdered, the cameras just were on him. He was someone of fame and he used that fame and that moment in in this limelight to call on the people of Mexico to bring their dead into the streets because they had been living in fear for so long of retaliation should they speak of their dead or missing loved ones. So it was a sort of a big, almost spontaneous uprising in Mexico that gathered steam and was very powerful there, but ultimately Javier understood that there was no way to really deal with the drug war without dealing with the U.S., because we are really the the roots and the source of the Mexican drug war, and that we're 90% of the market for Mexican drugs, and we also supply most of the guns that are used in drug war murders in Mexico. So he set out for the U.S., and it was about that time that we found out about his story and decided to follow his journey through the U.S. to try to bring attention to the international drug war.
5: So you all follow the caravan and the many stops and the many people all over the U.S. that not only feel like they see their own stories and Javier Cecilia's work to draw attention to all these murders, but that people that want to change U.S.'s impact on Mexico. Share with us a couple stories that people can see actually in the film, which premieres on PBS this Friday, the first.
6: One of the most powerful moments is just the launch of the caravan, going through the border, spending time at the border fence and the symbolism of that and the hope that was the wind underneath the caravan at that point. There were a lot of Mexican directors and actors who came out, and some politicians, and it, the kickoff felt very promising. But it was an election year, and the U.S. attention span for news that we're not directly affected by is sometimes just too short to sustain <laughs> that kind of attention, no matter how major and serious and grave the consequences of our actions in other countries are. So it really was difficult, and that it fell not Completely on deaf ears, but I think Javier, the Caravanistas, the victims, the people who organized it had high hopes for it resonating more broadly in the U.S. and sort of being on people's radars in a different way. I think they accepted that it wasn't going to be as they anticipated, and they made amazing things happen. Just the local connections with people who had suffered drug war losses here in the U.S., either people who originated from Mexico or Central America or people in the African-American community throughout the U.S. who have lost their untold hundreds of thousands to the drug war here. So those kinds of connections were made between victims, between organizations working on issues related to the drug war, and some very powerful moments were really those one-on-one moments where people connected and felt like they can speak and it would resonate more broadly and and sort of alleviate some of their own grief and sense of impotence, which is something we heard on both sides of the border. What we found out as filmmakers was that what we had anticipated being sort of the framing footage for the film, the journey through the U.S., and we imagined dipping back, turned out that it really wasn't going to hold that. So we wound up working, and this was a a great collaboration with an organization called Emergencia Emekis, which is a media collective in Mexico, members of which had been documenting from Javier's first press conference after the death of his son all the way through the U.S. caravan and beyond. So we were very lucky to have been able to collaborate with Emergencia Emekis and owe them a great deal.
5: That's the voice of Katie Galloway of Loteria Films. She produced this film with Kelly Duane de la Vega. The film El Poeta premieres this Friday as part of PBS's Voces series. And it really speaks of this incredible turning point that, well, we all hope it's a turning point. You know, I'm Mexican, we all hear the stories of our family back home, of just the fear and the the sense of despair and really the desire for hope. And this really captures a moment of hope. As you say, there's been over hundreds of thousands of deads and missing people since 2006. So people who watch this film, which really tells us Story that, like you said, we don't hear enough about here in the United States. What are some of the things that you hope people leave with and better understanding in terms of this current crisis in Mexico and the relationship between the U.S. and Mexico?
6: Well, I really hope that we have managed to tell a story to the nation that so needs to be heard and received. One of the things that appealed to us about the story from the beginning was that it was such a different frame on the Mexican drug war. There has been so much horror and so much gore and so much incredible, excruciating pain and loss. And that story needs to be told and people need to see it and know about it. But it's also sort of two dimensional and it doesn't fully honor Mexico's rich traditions and past and, doesn't bring some of the beauty and the poetry and the depth of Mexican history and culture into the story. So through Javier, we were able to really channel a lot of what's so rich and so full of life and full of hope and full of poetry about Mexico. In the movement, which he calls the Poetry of Protest, we see incredible bonds of community and Transcending pain that is almost impossible to imagine, but we also I believe are bringing a story that audiences around the world can res- relate to and respond to with more sort of philosophical, spiritual, and poetic depths than is normally on offer with stories about drug war. That was something that my uh, friend Bernardo Ruiz, who made the film reportero said that Mexico, at least, was just so hungry for. And so I hope that, you know, we've honored the call in that regard and can't wait to hear what Mexican audiences think about the film in addition to audiences in the U.S. In terms of where things are now, I mean, we've, of course, been following the unfolding story of the 43 students and the response and the implications of that following Annabelle Hernandez's reporting about the connections between that situation and the highest levels of government. I mean, Javier is this incredible combination of influences. His mother was a deep devotee of Gandhi. His father was a Catholic mystic poet. He has anarchist influence, Jesuit liberation theological influence, U.S. civil rights struggle. There are so many different influences, and so many of them are deeply rooted in nonviolent. Resistance and nonviolent action. And he quotes a disciple of Gandhi's who says, It's okay to have reached for the fruit, even if you don't get it. I'm butchering the paraphrase there. But the notion of planting seeds for the future, the notion of reaching for the fruit and making the fruit visible. He understands that this is the long game, and so he's not looking for any revolution in U.S. policy or American perceptions overnight, but he does believe in the power of the long game, and, you know, he says it's these great leaders who were in his distant past, many of them, that gave him the strength to stand up and speak at that moment he did. And just traveling with him, I think Kelly and I can attest, certainly emergentia Mekis can too. He touches people in such deep ways that there's no way that seeds for the future aren't being planted.
5: So Katie, how can people watch the film? We're talking about El Poeta and it premieres this Friday. How how can people catch it?
6: It's part of the wonderful Voices series on PBS. It airs in most markets around the country on May 1st. You can go to www.pbs.org and enter your local station and then check the schedule for May 1st. If it's not airing on your local PBS station, you can write or call them to ask that they put it on the air, but also starting May 2nd and lasting two weeks, the film will be available online at www.pbs.org. The streaming link can be shared on your Facebook, Twitter, etc. So if you watch it that way, please share and let's get the story out throughout the U.S. as much as you can.
5: That's the voice of Katie Galloway of Loteria Films. She produced this film, El Poeta, along with Kelly Dwayne de la Vega. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros.
7: Yo solo soy el poeta Que me los sueños del mundo Quiera y no me comprometa mi balcón. Solo soy canto y nostalgia de lo que llama tu poeta Quiera y no falte la magia Para que no caiga muerta ¿Dónde está la sonrisa? ¿Dónde está la ternura? Ahora caricia en donde entra la locura de sentir solo el comienzo de lo que nos hace vivos Siempre puede estar propenso a sentir lo que sentimos la naturaleza irradia sin maleza que en el silencio nos guía con el alma
8: por vigía
7: solo somos el sosiego que nos despierta emociones que te hace ver que tu ego Más que sensaciones donde está la sonrisa, donde está la ternura, una caricia, en donde entra la locura de sentir solo el comienzo, de lo que nos hace vivos, siempre cuesta el propenso. A sentir lo que sentimos
5: de Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm Julieta Cusnid, and today we're lucky to have some folks in the studio that have some exciting news for us. We are talking to an engineering high school team from East San Jose, which has just made news with their, their success in a national competition. So Luis, you're their engineering teacher. Why don't you tell us a little about it, and then we're going to hear from some of your students.
9: Yes, yeah, so we are the engineering team from Downtown College Prep. We participated in the Samsung Solve for Tomorrow contest which started back in um, October. We were chosen to represent the state of California at the national level. We took our students to New York and competed at the national finals where we uh, won one of the national prizes. And thanks to that, our school will receive $145,000 in Samsung technology for, for our school, for our program, engineering program.
3: So let's hear a little bit about what you had to do in the competition. Well, for this competition, the very first thing we had to do was determine what kind of problem in our community that we wanted to tackle, and so we decided to go about with the drought. And afterwards, we just came up with different ideas on how we could do that, and Esmala can say a few things about our project. A solution to the
10: drought that we came up with was the gray water system, where we reused and filtered water from the sinks and the shower, and we used that same water after it had been filtered to... Irrigate the garden. So
5: you all came up with this idea. How did you implement it? How did you make it a reality? What are the steps you took?
3: Um, well, first we had to like figure out where in the garden would be the best place to fit everything. And we decided maybe like somewhere a little bit close to the house would be good. And that's where we dug a hole. We put in our little filter system, our water collection tank, and we... We had some pipes hooked to up to it and then unfortunately due to plumbing permits we weren't allowed to connect our whole system to the house but we were able to have uh, a little irrigation system around our teacher's house to irrigate the garden and then we tested it out a couple times So tell me more about this
5: process, both have decided to be part of this engineering team. Tell us what the team is like, you know, about your teammates and kind of what the process has been like. Is this an after-school program? Is this an in-class program? So Esmeralda, why don't you tell us a little bit more about it?
10: Well, this was sort of a any type of time type of project because we would work in class after school on weekends for hours. And our team, um, it was really like we really got along. So any ideas that anyone brought up, we didn't discourage them. And we tried to like integrate everyone's idea and Form 1. And so I'm sure you both have learned a lot of
5: skills through this process. So why don't you tell me about how this has kind of influenced the way that you're approaching either future projects or maybe interest in engineering overall?
10: Well, um, so in this project, I was the video producer. And, well, I I knew I wanted to do something in the engineering field. I just didn't know what exactly. So when I first took engineering classes, I wanted to be an architectural engineer. But then after going through this whole process and using the computer and learning more about different types of fields, I don't know if I want to be that or a
3: mechanical software engineer. Um, For me... Coming into this project, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be an engineer or not, but doing this project opened my eyes a lot more to like the whole field. It made me a lot more interested in engineering in general, and I probably would be pursuing a career in engineering later on in the future. So
5: Luis, why don't you give us a breakdown of what's downtown college prep like and also what does this mean, this win, what are the next steps for the team?
9: Yes, yeah, so um, we're a Title I school. We're a charter school in San Jose. Uh, we have about 170 students. Over 90% of our students are Latino. Most of our students qualify for free or reduced lunch, so it's a school that doesn't really have a lot of resources. We started our engineering program just this year, and as part of that, we uh, we decided to enter the competition. Uh, nine of the students in my engineering classes um, joined the, the team, the engineering team. Seven of them are, are Latino students. So the the funding that we will receive from uh, from Samsung as um, you know as a consequence of winning the as a benefit of winning the contest it ensures that our program has funding to continue in the future the school had to make a make a big investment of twenty five thousand dollars that uh, in computers that we really didn't have at the beginning of the year we kind of owe um, them money so we're going to be able to repay it and uh, we're going to have some money left in order to invest uh, we want to do one-to-one technology um, access, so every student will have a Chromebook. And given that our school is uh, it's new, it's, it's second year, we will have um, incoming freshmen, so our school is going to expand by about 100, 120 students. So we will be able to provide a st- uh, computers for all of those students. So this is um, really big for us in terms of being able to continue the engineering program, push our students to to explore the engineering fields and also for the permanence of the program at our school.
5: And this group of nine students just had this big win. What are the next steps for them as a team?
9: Something that we have is a working process is um, we want to be an official chapter of the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. there are professional organizations that they're also present on, on campuses, and they have what they call their junior chapters. So their junior chapters are established at different high schools. So we started the process. We're talking with uh, some of the people at the local professional chapter, and we would like to be recognized. So that's something to work on. And just because we won, I mean, the competition doesn't mean that the project has ended. We want to be able to work out with the city and with the local government so that we can actually get the permits necessary to install the system at um, different houses, um, teachers' houses, and um, work out the bugs so that our um, our system is uh, more efficient, and we can actually publish. A template with all of the step-by-step instructions so that people, the community, can have access to it and install it at their own house. The whole idea behind the project is that it's supposed to be low cost so that it's accessible for people in the community. So eventually over the summer we want to um, work on that and hopefully at one point we'll, we'll have a website where we publish the documents and instructions for people to access.
5: So your students at Downtown College Prep high school in East San Jose just developed this really incredible gray water system that that can save over 20% of household water consumption. How can people, if they're listening and they're teachers and they're thinking, wow, I really want my young people, my students to get involved with engineering. This sounds like an incredible program. How can they connect to the work that you all are doing at downtown college prep?
9: Um they can reach out to us. Um our students established a uh Facebook page. So if you uh, go to Facebook and just um search for DCP Engineering, you will come up with our page. Uh people could email me um lruelas at dcp.org. So l r u e l-a s at dcp.org and um, there are, uh, you know, a lot of resources. Um, the program that we started at our school with our engineering classes is called Project Lead the Way. So we're a Project Lead the Way school, and it's a new program. I mean, we're trying to uh, do as best as we can with the resources that we have available.
5: Well, muchísimas gracias. Thank you three for coming to visit and telling us about this exciting program, and felicitaciones. Congratulations on this big win, and congratulations to your school.
9: Thank you for having us.
0: to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza on KPFA 94.1 FM, community-powered radio. Well, you were just listening to the song Quema, Quema, Quema by the Peruvian band Canaco y el Tigre. We've been playing their music here on La Raza Chronicles since coming across their debut album, Caracoles, last year. And while the band has been touring and playing in different venues across Latin America, they are now releasing their first international album, that is why we're very excited to be joined on the line by lead singer and member of the band, Nico Sava, who's here to tell us about the release of their latest album. Gracias, Nico, por estar con nosotros y compartir la música de ustedes con nuestro Radio Escuches.
2: ¿Qué tal, Vanessa?
0: Mira, Nico, you guys are all from Lima, Peru. Tell us a little bit about how the band got started and who are the members of Kanaku y el Tigre. Este,
2: the members of Kanaku y el Tigre are Bruno de Latin and myself, and school and it's five of us, and we put got together because Bruno and I have been friends from childhood and we've been friends there and making songs together for 15 years, since we were kids, since we were 15. But four years ago, we started up this project, which is called Tanakoyertiire.
0: Well, many of our listeners are very familiar with lots of different music coming out of Peru, like the Afro-Peruvian sounds of the famous Susana Vaca and groups like Nova Lima, which mix traditional Afro-Peruvian music with electronic music. But recently we've been featuring music from Peru that sounds very different, like that of Alejandro y María Laura, which I would describe as more singer-songwriter-like, but also very hard to define Canaco y el Tigre has that quality, too. It's very hard to say it fits one genre or another. How would you describe your music?
2: I think that it's kind of reinterpretation of a lot of things, both things that are in our unconscious DNA, of things that we listen to when we go out in the street and we walk around, and sometimes they're playing cumbia or they're playing guay, know? It's weird, because I find that happens to me in Canaco y el Tigre, and it doesn't happen to me in other bands. Because when I go home, I listen to... Kendrick Lamar and Chance the Rapper or whatever I'm listening to lately. But still, I go out in the street and you just listen to a different ecosystem of sounds that you wouldn't listen somewhere else. And that has an effect on the music that we make at the end.
0: Well, I know that some of us have been replaying your album, Caracoles, on steady rotate, waiting for the band to come out with a new album. And that time has come. Kanaku y el Tigre has finally released its second album called Quema, 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 Quema through Strut Records and Tiger Milk Records. This must be really exciting for you all.
2: Yes, because Kanaku y el Tigre up to just recently has been working as a local Peruvian band, so there's a lot of people that don't know we exist yet. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm very glad to let you guys know that La Rasta Chronicles listeners have been privileged to hear your music because we've been playing it for the last year.
2: Oh really? You've been playing the first album?
0: Yes, we have.
2: Oh that's that's great because then you're gonna listen to the second album, and you're gonna see a difference of evolution. Some things that are from the first album still there and a lot of things are gone and then new things and reinterpretations of the old things.
0: Well, why don't we take a listen to a track off your new album, Quema Quema Quema, entitled Si te mueres mañana, which is Kanaku y el Tigre's first international single debut. <laughs> Le debe su
4: vida A todas las tardes Que vieron sus padres Y busco un cuerpo Donde habitar Luna me enguante Pide un deseo de Que un el invierno No tiene un don hacerlo Y escapamos i
0: Song Si Te Mueres Mañana by the Peruvian band Kanaku y El Tigre off of their latest album, Quema, Quema, Quema. We're speaking with Nico Sava, lead singer and member of the band, about their music and the new album. Well, I really personally love that song, and it has a great video that goes along with it that was recently released as part of your international single debut. We'll post it on La Raza Chronicles Facebook page. But for those who haven't seen it, the video beautifully captures youth of Peru riding their skateboards carefree down windy roads. And it really gave me a feeling of nostalgia. I wanted to be one of those kids going down the windy roads.
2: Well, we shot that video. Victor Checa is the director of the video. He came up with the idea for the video. Um, Because I was in Alto Peru, which is like this area of Chorrillos, which is a neighborhood in Lima. And there's this organization called Alto Peru, it incentivates the kids to, like, do different lifestyles and sports and stuff like that. So it facilitates them to do skateboarding and surfing and uh, Muay Thai and, like, different disciplines. And, and it's kind of growing. It's a, it's a growing thing. So they throw parties sometimes. So I was one of these parties, and then I saw this 14-year-old girl. She had, like, a lot of attitude. Era muy cool. No sé. Era como...
6: Tenía una
2: she did, like, some pose or something like that, and I took a picture. And that picture, like, took it years ago. But then, when I was doing the song, I remember this picture. And I go to the director, and I tell him, this is a song, and this picture is the kind of feeling that I want to capture, you know, of this area, of town, and these kids, and da-da-da. So, like, one week later, he came up with this idea about the skateboarders going down the hill, and it was really cool. So, it was my 30th birthday, and I decided to... I used to skateboard when I was younger. And uh, I decided to give myself a skateboard for my birthday, and I started skateboarding. And then I I fell How <laughs> a few times, and see I fell a few times, and then I realized that I wasn't that young anymore. It was like kind of like an epiphany because the skateboard and like the song. I also felt like I wanted to be one of the kids in the video. That's why I thought about this because you said that you wanted to be one of the kids on the video, you
0: know? Yeah, and the main verse is, si te mueres mañana, no te quedas con ganas de nada, which translates loosely into, if you die tomorrow, don't die with regrets or having, wanting to have done things.
2: Yeah, more than regret, that's just the hard thing, translating that phrase, because it's not about regrets, it's about not regretting the things that you did anyways. Even if it's something like really, really really small, like cruising down the hill with a skateboard, not talking about necessarily big things in life, me being a billionaire necessarily, No, it's talking about just anything, really. Anything that's really important to you.
0: Well, in one interview, you mentioned that your latest album being more internal versus your first album being more external. Can you explain what you mean by this? I think you talked a little bit about it earlier, but maybe you can elaborate.
2: Yeah, the first album, is like the context of the album is different. I guess for me, it's different for Bruno. There's always two sides to every story because Bruno has his own version of what he was going through when he was doing the songs because everyone's going through something different. I had gone back to Lima because I was living five years abroad. I lived for a bit in Los Angeles and I lived for a bit in Canada. And when I come back to Lima, I started looking at the city in a brand new way. Things I just thought were very mundane become very special and by consequence very magical. So an album that was very much of the city, not even the whole city because Lima is such a broad city. And this album now is very different because obviously that got to be a novelty, and some years passed, and I think that we were just going through like a different emotional stage at that moment. So it's a it's an album that is about um, mm-hmm. that phrase, no, about living life very intensely, no.
0: Well, let's take a listen to another song from your new album, Quema, Quema, Quema. This song is called Bubu Selas by the Peruvian band Canaco y el Tigre. <laughs>
4: Todos dicen que no estás Que te fuiste muy, muy lejos Y sin avisar ¿Y ahora quién te encontrará? búsela en la ciudad
0: Clarasa Chronicles and you were just listening to the song Bubucelas by the Peruvian band Canaku y el Tigre from their latest and just released second album Gema Gema Gema. We're speaking with Nico Sava, the lead singer and member of the band about their music and the new album. Well, it seems like there's just a lot of great music being created and produced in Peru right now. Certainly yourselves along with Alejandro y María Laura and many others are part of this. What can you say about the music scene in Peru as a musical artist based out of Lima?
2: It's hard. To be a musician in Peru, super. But the thing is that there's always been like really cool dance, very cool music coming out of Peru. And not coming out, actually, staying in Peru to be more precise For some reason, it doesn't really come out that often. It should come because there's a lot of music here. And I think it hasn't been covered yet.
0: Now that we've had a chance to listen to the music of Kanaku y el Tigre, I'm sure our listeners are excited to hear more and find out more about the band. What is the best way for our listeners to get a hold of your music and information if they want to follow the band?
2: The album is going to be available online in iTunes. With the music from Kanaku, you have to go to www.kanakuyeltigre.com. Uh, that's 2Ks. And also, like the first album is available on iTunes, and it's available online in different online stores. And you can also check us out on Facebook.
0: Pues muchísimas gracias Nico Saba for taking the time to speak with us all the way from Lima, Peru about Canaco y el Tigre's soon to be released album Quema, Quema, Quema. I have no doubt that it will be a great success and that we will be hearing a lot more of the band here in the U.S. and outside of Latin America. We'd love to have you on again in the future and hopefully for an in-studio performance.
2: Yes, that would be great. It was very nice to be on the show.
0: Coming up next, La Raza Chronicle's Community Calendar. On Friday, May 1st, join the International Workers' Day Regional Festival and March. Folks will be gathering at one30 at Civic Center Plaza in San Francisco and will be marching starting at 330 to 24th and Mission. There will be a closing program starting at 5pm. Again, that's the International Workers' Day Regional Festival and March on Friday, May 1st. Also on Friday, continue your May Day celebrations at Bottom of the Hill, where Latino band La Plebe will be playing. The Bottom of the Hill is located in San Francisco. For more information, check out the Bottom of the Hill website. And on Tuesday, May 5th, join Open Mic at The Avenue in San Francisco for the neighborhood poetry reading that aims to maintain and cultivate San Francisco's legacy of poetic expression. The Open Mic will be featuring poets Susie Huerta and Javier O. That's the Open Mic at The Avenue Bar on Tuesday, May 5th. The Avenue Bar is located at 1607 Ocean Avenue in San Francisco. And finally, the City of Berkeley will be honoring Rafael Jesus Gonzalez with a Lifetime Achievement Award, Tuesday, May 12th at 7 p.m. at the Berkeley City Council Chambers in Berkeley, located at 2134 Martin Luther King Jr. Way. We here at La Raza Chronicles are very proud that Rafael Jesus Gonzalez will be receiving this very important Lifetime Achievement Award and look forward to seeing him at the event. Again, that's Tuesday, May 12th at 7 p.m. at the Berkeley City Council Chambers at Berkeley City Hall, located at 2134 Martin Luther King Jr. Way in Berkeley, California. That does it for La Raza Chronicles Community Calendar for this evening. Stay tuned next week for more exciting and upcoming events. to Crónicas de la Raza, La Raza Chronicles, on KPFA 94.1 Community-Powered Radio. If you'd like to hear this program again or share it with others, you can go to kpfa.org or search for us, La Raza Chronicles, on soundcloud.com. Stay tuned next week for more noticias, arte, cultura, música, y mucho más con un sabor latino. Also, don't forget to like us on Facebook to get updates from the Latino community here and across borders. That does it for us this evening. Check us out next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Hasta la próxima. Buenas noches.